you are listening to The Dudes, bringing you wall-to-wall coverage of all Mississippi State athletics. Featuring Reflector Sports Editor Tanner Marlar and WMSV Sports Director Cody Blazak. Welcome back to another episode of The Dudes, this Thursday edition. I'm Cody Blazak alongside Tanner Marlar. I wasn't with you last week. Had a little, uh, play a little hooky according to you and David. Was playing hooky. But, no, it's great to be back here in the studio. Tanner, via, Tanner is via Zoom, back home for Christmas break, getting to visit the family. How's, how's that been so far? It's good. It's good. You know, covering a covering an entire athletic program from a distance is less than ideal. But we're going to make it work until January when we get back. And speaking of making it work, uh, here on The Dudes, we are going to be trying to bring you some content throughout the break, obviously. Um, the, next, uh, the next episode will be Tuesday. After that, we're not sure, but we should be able to bring you at hopefully one episode a week. If not, we will update you via Twitter going to take this winter break to kind of kind of work on some some business side of things here for the show to try to bring you guys a, a higher quality product so some big stuff in the works Cody big stuff in the works absolutely we're going to be taking a little bit of a break from the dudes obviously we're going to try and get an episode out a week or per week but on the business side also gives us a little bit of time to spend with our families which we have not seen a whole lot this semester, obviously, with work and school. So it'll be great for both of us to be able to get back home and visit with our families, also to be able to do our work from home with all this technology. So it, it's great. We can jump into the sports side of the show, though. We had uh, some basketball this past week. Uh, since the last show, which was Thursday, you and David did last dudes a week from today. Uh, on the men's side of basketball, they lost to Colorado State, a red-hot Colorado State team on Saturday by three points. Uh, this Colorado State team, I don't think anyone thought they would be this good. Nonetheless, ranked 23rd in the nation and 10-0. and They look good. They look good. And that win over Mississippi State, boost, I think, was a big booster to get them into the top 10. Unfortunate that MSU couldn't pull it out. That had a must-win feel to it coming into that game, as I talked about, or as Dave and I talked about last Thursday. Unfortunately, Mississippi State just kind of kind of lost all offensive drive there uh, in the, at the tail end of that game, going one for 11 in the closing stretch. They bounced back, though, with a commanding win over Georgia State this past week, and then they play Furman tomorrow on SEC Network before heading to the Jackson Coliseum for the yearly game there against uh, – I bl- I, I'm blanking on who that game is, but it's not broadcasted anywhere. I do not know what game you're talking about. Well, Mississippi State will play at the Jackson Coliseum after their game against Furman this Friday to be kind of on – to kind of touch on Winthrop. the women's Winthrop. Side, from a big loss against Oklahoma, they'll try to get back on the road this week. Yeah, that's the schedule for that. Something I want to touch on, though, real quick. Mississippi State uh, men's basketball, looking at them at least, 
there's been somewhat of a trend to Mississippi State losing. At least two of the games, the two games, Louisville and Colorado State, Iverson Molinar shot poorly. He led the scorers for the Louisville game. Nonetheless, he only shot five from 16 from the field. He shot, he made two shots from the field against Colorado State. I, a trend I'm seeing for that team is if Iverson shoots well, they win. If not, they're kind of down in the gutter. They lost to Minnesota by five points. Iverson shot very, very well in that game, but that's the only loss that they have where he shot well. So it's a trend that you see, or I'm seeing at least, if Iverson shoots well, the team plays well. Otherwise, we're not getting that scoring we need from other players. Yeah, and I think all of that starts from, I mean, Iverson being the guy. I think I think everything in this offense kind of kind of runs off of Iverson. He's the main ball handler. He's the leading scorer. He's at the top in rebounds. He's at the he's obviously at the top in assists. So Iverson runs that offense and it runs through him. If Iverson has a bad game, somebody's got to bail him out. And Howland, Howland has talked to him, or spoken to reporters at least, after last game, or after the Colorado State game, about his shot selection and how he just wants him to get to the basket a little more and, and be a little more selective with his shots. And he did that against Georgia State, and we all saw the results of that. But to kind of transition now into uh, what, this, what this episode is going to be about for the rest of the episode, obviously, Cruton season. It is Cruton season. National uh, early na- national early signing day obviously just passed. Mississippi State signed the twenty second best class in the nation as of right now. However, they are tenth in the SEC. Cody, thoughts? It just shows how tough the SEC is. How great the programs in the SEC are. It- it's amazing to think that you're twenty two in the nation. in your conference. I I think that just shows how competitive the SEC is and how tough it is to actually play in this conference. At 22 is a great national rank, but it's, it's amazing. The ranking class Mike Leach has ever signed in his coaching career. It's just amazing to me that you can be a top recruiting class in the nation, but a bottom recruiting class in your conference. And, to kind of address this early on in the episode, obviously we're a Mississippi State podcast, but there's been some noise out of the school up north. And I, the, the Ledger put out an article the other day that, <laughs> and I thought it was hilarious, Ole Miss had a bad national signing day on purpose. Get used to it. That was the headline. I was, and to me, that might be the dumbest thing I've ever read because – no one wants to not have a good national signing day. No one does. And they're marketing they're marketing it as, they're pushing it as, well, they're going to make a big push in the portal, especially at the quarterback position. Cody, who in the court who in the portal at the quarterback position right now it, do you think is going to come in and pick up Matt Corral's slack? Uh, I mean, Emory Jones just announced, uh, I believe it was last night he's in the portal. 
Um, you've got Brennan at LSU. Do you bring in Bo Nix to run the offense? I mean, you know, I just buy it. I, it's interesting talking about the portal and everything. Uh, SEC specifically, because the, the SEC is in need of quarterbacks right now. Other they teams are. need them. So, Bo Nix, like you said, is one of those guys where I wouldn't be surprised if he went to another SEC school. I don't think he's going to, but I wouldn't be surprised. That Auburn position, though, that Auburn quarterback position is big. Obviously, Ohio State quarterback Ewers, honestly, that's where I think Auburn is going to end up with quarterback next year. They had a – Do what? He committed to Texas. When did that happen? That was why you had the flu. That shows how up-to-date I am with things. Yeah, Ewers to Texas already. Uh, let me actually look at it and pull it up. Um, but, yeah, I just I, – I looked last night, and I just don't see anybody in this transfer portal in terms of quarterbacks that are going to really just kind of be able to run that offense. I mean, you've got Quinn Ewers, obviously, committed to Texas. Eli Ricks went from LSU to Bama. Um, Ken Kingsley saw my time – or he's at the tackle position. But it's just – I just don't see it. Cameron Ward hasn't signed anywhere yet. I could see – and it can't happen because he's already committed to South Carolina, but Spencer Rattler potentially could have been a fit for that position. I, that, see, that's what I thought. I thought Rattler was going to be the guy that, that goes there. But Ward, Cameron Ward is still available. He was a four-star prospect out of high school. Young guy, though. Um, Keaton Slovis out of USC, maybe. He doesn't, he, he will, fit, he doesn't fit that play style. At, at Calzada? I mean, who do you get? Who on this list, if you're Ole Miss, are you looking at and saying, that's my guy? I, I feel like... We started off with it, but Bo Nix, I mean, I don't know if he would be a great fit, but who else do you put there? I'm unsure. I just don't know. I don't see. Will Rogers? No, I'm kidding. He ain't even in the transfer portal. <laughs> Max, but Max Johnson went from LSU to A&M. Um, Jacob Zeno, a three-star, went from Baylor to UAB. Calzada's still out there, but does Calzada, Zach Calzada come in and run your offense? If I just I just don't see them having a big year recruiting. I just don't, whether it's in the portal. And we obviously saw that they didn't have a big year on National Signing Day. So, But to kind of get back to Mississippi State, obviously since we are a Mississippi State podcast, some highlights from this recruiting class. And obviously, number one, Marquez Dorch was – was at one point committed to Ole Miss and flipped back to Mississippi State. Measures out six foot tall, 175, four-star wide receiver out of George County. I mean, this guy can fly. This guy, this guy is, I think, is going to be incredibly big for Mississippi State going forward. You can line him up in the slot. He's six foot tall. If you put some muscle on, I think you, I think you could have the size to line up outside. It, it, it's just a solid class overall for Mississippi State so far. Yeah, the, I might have missed if you already said this and you were telling me this earlier. I didn't realize it, but Mike Leach is 
top recruiting class ever. Ever, yeah, ever. So his, his previous highest was last year here at Mississippi State. He signed the 26th best class in the country. This year, up to 22. Yeah, so there's 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 a lot of, I mean, just big time stuff. Something that I noticed when Mike Leach was out west and everything at Washington State. My biggest thing is, yeah, he was a good quarter, or excuse me, a good coach, and had some crazy quarterbacks that put up unreal yards because of his offense. But you don't get the resources out there like you do here in the South in the SEC. He didn't have the talent pool there. You didn't. You didn't get that. Now he's getting the resources he needs, and look what he's doing. And and listen, I know we're what are we seven and five on the season right now. We're going to play Texas Tech in the bowl game in in the Liberty Bowl at Memphis. This team, realistically, could have gone 10-2 this season. 100%. Lost three games or four games or whatever it was by a total of eight points. I'll give the losses of Ole Miss and Alabama because they were somewhat marginal. Realistically, could have been a 10-2 team. Mike Leach is starting to get the guys in that he wants. He's not dealing with Moorhead's guys that he got when he came in as a new coach. We saw the trend. We had a two-win season or three-win season last year. For granted, we only played 10 SEC teams. It was a weird season, this, that, and the other. Now, we're getting back to normal. We had your eight SEC games, four non-conference games, a couple scares and losses in non-conference. Hopefully fix that up next year, and you have more guys that you want. I'm very confident in this Mississippi State football program just climbing up the ladder. It's not going to be a quick process. In terms of the direction they're going, I think I think it I think things are looking up. I think you look at the last two classes, and obviously 26 last year was a solid class, but you wind up with possibly possibly one of the most productive transfer classes in the SEC. I mean, you know, Ole Miss is going to say they they like to win in the portal. I think Mississippi State got more production out of the portal this year than Ole Miss did. I think Alabama got more. (laughs) Yeah, you look at Makai Polk, Randy Charlton, guys like that. This team's not the same football team without those two guys. Just those two. And and Jameer Calvin? Jameer Calvin was a solid receiver all season. And, and, you know, I think the biggest signee out of this class, possibly the biggest signee in my opinion, is the signing of, is the signing of Percy Lewis, okay? This is a guy that measures out at six foot eight, 360. Think about that. That is huge. Right in the position that Mississippi State is about to send a guy to the draft for. He's going to come in and compete for a tackle spot. So you bring that guy in, and he's ready to go. He's out of JUCO. He'll have, obviously, immediate eligibility if he wants it. Then you get DeCarlos Nicholson, another JUCO guy, at a spot that you need help in, the defensive backfield. I just look at this class, and I see I see that immediate needs were filled uh, up front on the offensive line and in the defensive backfield. I see, obviously, I mean, right now they have four wide receivers committed out of this class. And this isn't counting – what they can get in February 
because there's a couple more guys they're predicting to come to come in in February. There's a hard commit from uh, Xavion Thomas, a, a kid out of Louisiana. This is all according to 24-7 Sports, by the way. Great work they do on the recruiting trail. I mean, he's 5'11", 190. He's the 57th best receiver in the country, and he's a hard commit. You might get him in February. And then you look at Caden Pope, a guy out of Hardin County, Savannah, Tennessee. That's not far from, from Mississippi State. A lot of people from Savannah find their way down to Starkville. And he's another guy that's a top 100 receiver in the country. He's a three-star. He's rated 87.50. I look at this class, and if they keep these guys, it's going to be very impressive. And that's without anything in the transfer portal. Yeah, you, you look at this draft class, if you look at it by position, just about every player is within a top 100 in their position, which is a huge plus for Mississippi State. I'm looking at it now. There are three players out of 22, I think it is, including hard commits, Three players that are not inside the top 100 of their position. That's big. Listen, I know you might be 300 or 400 nationally or not ranked nationally. Who cares? At the end of the day, you're not trying to compete. An O-line is not trying to compete with a quarterback to be better. You're trying to be the best at your position. And nine times out of ten, an O-line is not going to be the best commit or the best recruit in the nation. Yeah. So we look at it positionally wise. We're, we're coming out where we need to come out. You're not going to be, no program is ever going to have the top five O line in that class come to your school. It's not going to happen. It's not realistic. So, like, like we were like you were saying just a minute ago, though, we're filling positions that we need filled. And I know we came in on the season a little high on. Zach Arnett in this defense. I wasn't impressed with it this year. I was very nervous about it as we got into the season. We're picking up some big defensive players. What I mean, I was literally about to say that. What a day for Zach Arnett on the recruiting trail. What a day for him in turn. Bless you, Cody. What a day for Zach Arnett on the recruiting trail, man. Uh, three linebackers and five defensive linemen. Uh, three defensive backs out of this class. Obviously, I, I believe Mississippi State is where defensive linemen need to come if they want to play professional football. But, I mean, such a deep class on the de- on the defensive line. Trevion Williams is special. Trevion Williams will probably wind up playing on Sundays when his time here at Mississippi State is through. I mean, he's ridiculous. Six, uh, sixth best player in Mississippi. And then we haven't even touched on the quarterback in this class. Braden Locke out of Rockwall, Texas, 24th best quarterback in the country, at his, at, obviously at his position, 53rd best player in Texas, which is a hard state to be ranked high in. If Sawyer Robertson isn't the guy, Braden Locke should be after Will Rogers. Yeah, the thing with Braden Locke uh, – you look at him. We, how do I put this? We're not going to see him for another two years. If Probably. if he does, he will not start until he is a junior or his third year. I don't know how they would do classification. Depending, 
drafting and stuff goes and how transfers go. There's no way to tell. But if he stays here. will be a junior next year so he'd be draft eligible afterwards but i I don't think he'll be going to the draft i think he'll be playing his senior year so i i don't think we're gonna see brayden Locke if we do see him until his junior year until rogers is gone just leaving simply because that quarterback class is so so down yeah it is a rough quarterback class for the draft. Nonetheless, nothing else to say about it. But do NFL teams, would they consider him an NFL talent? Is he worth a draft pick? That's the question. I mean, even if he's third, fourth, fifth, sixth round, it, there's no way to tell. And obviously that decision's up to Will. We hope he stays and gets his degree because I'm not going to – I won't – I obviously will not be against it, but – um, yeah, nonetheless, and to, to kind of top off this recruiting class, how about these offensive linemen? F- you get four offensive linemen out of this group. Obviously, we talked about Percy Lewis, probably the best, one of the best, if not the best, Juco player in the country. He's huge. He's just huge, and he's going to come in and compete for a tackle spot right away. Then you get Jackson Lehu out of Azle, Texas. I will never be opposed to getting offensive linemen out of Texas, especially as long as we're running the air raid because they throw the air out of the ball in Texas. And then Jackson Cannon, obviously, another great guy. Lucas Taylor, though, the highest rated, I believe, the highest rated offensive lineman in Alabama. I mean, you the coaches say he's got a mean streak. He's he's a guy that they, they're going to be looking to move around on the interior of the offensive line. I just see a lot of holes that this recruiting class fills in the future and presently. Yeah, I, I think recruiting and getting these offensive tackles were – and I think they're essential for the future for this football team. You, you look at our coach, and you look how we've played the past two years with him, and you throw the ball. You've got to protect your quarterback. And I'm not saying the O-line didn't do a good job this year, but there were definitely some holes that needed to be fixed. There are definitely yeah. some issues that needed to be fixed, whether it's players or chemistry. I, once again, and, and I feel like a broken record, Mike Leach is getting the guys he wants for his team. Your hand dealt with from Joe Moorhead. Now you're getting who you need. Uh, People say it takes three years to get a team where you need to as a new coach. This will be Mike Leach's third year. You've had your time. You're getting the players you need. You found your issues. You're filling the gaps. And I think one of the biggest gaps that needed to be filled. Yeah. There were some, there was some pressure that Will Rogers got throughout the season that he should not have had. There were some games where it just didn't need it at that certain time. And just some of it, it's aggravating to watch as a fan. 
So it, it's good to see him get these big-time recruits. I agree. I agree. And you look at, you know, what, what was the most frustrating thing for this offensive offensive line group for me this year was the penalties. That's what killed me was so many penalties. And obviously I think that's a coaching thing, but nonetheless, I look at the size of these guys that are coming in and – some of these guys look, you know, they, they they almost have the college, the D1 body already. Lucas Taylor's 6'5", 310. Yeah, some of uh, these measurements for these players are ridiculous. Uh, like they, they look like they should be sophomores or juniors in college already. Uh, insane. Insane. These are big kids. And that's how they're – I mean, that's how that's the nature of high school football now. But Percy Lewis, like we said, I just can't get over how – Huge he is. 6'8", 360. What an anchor. I mean, how do you move a guy that big? And it's, speaking of size, it's it's something we saw specifically this year. And and you hear coaches and, and teams and announcers and everyone that talks sports that you listen to, you hear them say, schools try and get you, if you're coming on college, and you're 350 pounds, they try and get you down to 280 or something like that. They're always trying to make you lose weight. Something I saw this year was Georgia, for example. They're all 300. That defense is all 350 pounds. They are oh, e- absolutely enormous. So uh, what I start to wonder is we see what Kirby Smart has done with that enormous defense this year and not having them lose tons of weight, and they're just big. They may not play a whole lot of snaps because they get tired so quick, but if you have if – if your depth chart is deep on these guys and they all play the same way, you're golden, just like this Georgia defense. So who's to say that he isn't changing how – I guess you would call it the body build of players, specifically tackles and linemen are? I mean – you look at, like you were saying, you look at some of these players we got. I mean, Jackson Cannon for one, 310 pounds. Calvin uh, Dinkins, 315. Uh, these aren't small boys. No. These are some come, enormous guys. In, and that, like I said, that goes back to the nature of high school football now. They're coming in with almost college-ready bodies. They're not having to make a lot of these anatomical changes here so early in their careers. I mean, the only offensive lineman on this list that I see that might need to add a couple pounds is Lahue, and that he's 6'5", 285. I mean, that's still a huge guy. No, I, absolutely. But how I got started on that whole little tangent was Percy Lewis, though, and how big he is. Keep him at maybe trim 10 pounds, put him at 350. You're not going to be – like you said, you can't, you're not going to move that guy unless you double-team him. No. If he gets his hands on you, it's over. I, I mean, so – I mean, this kid looks like he could be a junior in college. Well, he is. Percy Lewis. I, I'm you. sorry. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I'm looking at something different. But, I mean, just things like that, it's going to be something interesting to watch as the years trend on. Any uh, you got any last thoughts for uh, recruiting? Uh, nothing much. Just Dakota Jordan, obviously one of the guys that really wasn't touched on much this recruiting cycle. A hard commit. 
committed to play baseball and football. Uh, running, uh, running back out of Jackson Academy. Looking forward to having him. I mean, he's he's the seventeenth ranked player in the state. He's got a he's he's at a point eight six eight nine, very near four star. Think he could really help out both squads. So see, it'd be interesting to see how that goes. Dakota Jordan. Just before we go, favorite recruit. Who do you think is going to make the biggest impact on this team in the upcoming years? Percy Lewis, I think he could come in and start next season. I think that I, I think that is what he was brought on to do is to come on and compete for a starting tackle spot. And if he can win that, I like it. Yeah, it'll be it'll be a fun development to watch here in the near future. Uh we will not be we will be with you Tuesday. We'll talk a little more about everything going on Mississippi State on Tuesday. A week from today, Thursday, though, we will not be having an episode of the Dudes. It'll just be Tuesday next week. Then we'll get some more of that schedule out for y'all. Also, tomorrow, 6 o'clock on the SEC Network, Mississippi State will host Furman here at Humphrey Coliseum. We didn't really touch on this at the beginning of the show when we were talking basketball. We briefly touched on it, but real quick before we go, Mississippi State is... A big-time favorite in this game, if I'm reading it correctly. The ESPN Basketball Power Index has us at 84.5% chance to win. What do you? Who, how do you got this game going tomorrow night? I don't know. I've got Mississippi State taking it, but you cannot overlook Furman. Furman played uh, North Carolina a very close ball game through one half the other night. That team's looking for a win. They're hungry for it on this road trip. So Mississippi State's going to have to be on top of the game, obviously, as as you have to be every game in uh, Division One football or basketball. Sorry, we've been talking so much football today. Who's your uh, Who's your X factor for the day? For that game, Iverson Molinar. I'm going with the easy pick. He gets buckets, they win. That's fair enough. We talked about that earlier. That is fair. Do we got a score prediction? Uh, yeah, I'll give you one. Mississippi State seventy-seven, Furman. Uh, 61. Yeah, I've got I've got Mississippi State by 15. I don't have a score prediction, but I'll, I'll say State by 15 points. Well, that'll do it for today's episode of The Dudes. We will be back again Tuesday right before Christmas. We are approaching Christmas very, very soon. It is, I don't even know what today. Today's 16th. We're nine days away from Christmas, which is absolutely crazy. Hopefully, Santa will bring us a little... A little magic gift and have Mississippi State win that Liberty Bowl up in Memphis. It'll be fun to watch when it comes here in the near future. We'll be back. Hopefully we can bring you a preview episode, whether it is via Zoom or any other means. That will happen, hopefully. Hopefully we can get in the studio. Maybe we'll have to do it via Zoom. Like you said, it doesn't matter as long as we can get some content out to y'all that'll do it though for today for tanner marler i'm cody blazak we'll talk to you again next time the proceeding was a wmsv production